Good morning, good evening, maybe, or good afternoon. My name is Let's Humanize the Workplace. My name is, uh, no, my name is Vivian Aqua. I'm so, I'm so, <laughs> so scrambled with, uh, with everything. So my name is Vivian Aqua and I'm the workplace wellness advocate, but I'm also the creator of Let's Humanize the Workplace, where I invite different guests, amazing, inspiring guests to have a conversation how we all can build that humanized workplace that we all are longing for. So today I'm going to have an amazing panel, but before I introduce them, I just want to share something that I, I really want you to know. So if you're not, um, if, if this is your first time that you're watching, or if this is uh, your first time that, um, that you're seeing this, welcome. I also have a newsletter and I only stalk you bi-weekly. I'm not sending weekly emails bi-weekly, but there you get the juicy details. So there you have the opportunity to ask me questions, to ask guest speakers questions, but also to share tips. So if you have a question for a future talk, which I'm going to share uh, within my guests, uh, within the list, then that's fine then you are in. So definitely be on the guest list, definitely be on the newsletter because you, I'll be listening to you more so that I can include you in the conversation. And um, I also, because of the panel today, and I also noticed this, this amazing news that Google is extending their um, their policy for working from home. So the guest speakers, no, not the guest speakers, the, the employees of Google, can work from home longer because they realized, I think that Google knows from all the searches and all the researches and all the Google searches that I think they know, they know something that we don't know. At least I know that this whole situation might be a bit longer, but the fact that Google is already extended to next summer 2021 makes me think, hmm, makes me be a little bit exciting. Um, so working from home is here to stay. And I'm curious about you. Are you working from home? Are you loving it or are you not loving it? Let me know because this humanize the workplace. It's not about me and it's not about the guest speakers. It's about humanizing whatever it is that you want to be humanized. So if you want to share your questions or if you want to share your thoughts, you can use the comment section for that. And I will definitely highlight you. So just so you know, I also have something very exciting to share. And that is, uh, I recently shared a post about Amplify DEI. So I had a call for speakers for an exciting summit, which is happening the end of September. And I'm just going to give you a, a teaser. Look, look, all these rounds, are, will be filled with at least 50 speakers. I know I have like 60 rounds, so I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping to get 60 speakers. But for everybody that wants to move the needle when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusive, inclusive, inclusivity, for everybody that wants to be inspired for everybody that wants to uh, be uplifted, for everybody that wants to join in the Amplify DEI movement, know that this is coming. See this as a, as a trailer. I, I don't have a, a fancy movie, but see this as a trailer. And as you can see, I have a lot of rounds. 
I only have three days. So that will mean that I will display 20, I will speak to 20 speakers on one day. It will be amazing. So if you love humanize the workplace, this, this piece will be epic, will be amazing. It will be juicy. That's all I can share. That's all I can share. And tonight, it's all about boosting the mind through workplace design. So I am going to bring them up and announce them properly. And uh, I have all my guest speakers here today. I hope I'm missing. No, I'm not missing anyone. I have them all here. I have them here. <laughs> I'm so excited. So excited. So I'm going to do a proper introduction and therefore I have to read my notes. So first of all, David Okoyman is the designer of uh, is a designer with passion for helping marginalized people in work and learning environment. His mantra is design for the extreme and benefit for the mean. Caroline, Caroline Ribeiro Nelson is passionate about promoting health aware, mental health awareness, development of good practice, provision of quality services and creation of mentally healthy cultures. Rosie Haslam is a director at Space Lab, a London-based research and architecture studio specialized in workplace design. Okay, Gayatri, you have to help me with your last name, please. Unikrishnan, Gayatri Unikrishnan. Thank you. She is a subject matter expert in lightning and for IWB, sorry, for IWBI, also known as well. And she focuses on the importance of natural and electric lighting on the well-being of occupants in the built environment. And last but not least, Honey Motamedian is a business development manager at Sound Directions, experts in sound masking. I'm laughing because we had some, I had some challenges <laughs> with, with all the speakers, but they are here. They are definitely here. And already, uh, Koshaki is already responding. Awesome speakers. Hello to all. So I'm saying hello to you all. And let's, let's, um, let's dive into the first question. So Rosie, what is your connection with humanizing the workplace? Oh, hi, everyone. Um, so I, as you just introduced me, actually, I'm a director at Space Lab, and we're um, an architecture practice space in London, but we have specialised in workplace design, even though we kind of work across all sectors, across all sort of types of design, we have specialised in workplace design, and specifically, a very human approach to workplace design. So both in the way that we approach a project. So I'm actually a director of sort of the research and strategy side of things. So all of our design is based on very in-depth research into the people, that the humans that are going to be inhabiting that space. And then the design process is about involving those people or those humans as we go through the design process. So yeah, it's very much our ethos and outlook is, is to create spaces that really work for people. Thank you. And uh, Gayatri? Hi. Um, my personally and professionally, humanizing the workplace has just been my ethos. Personally, I've only ever worked in projects and in situations where we can put people at the center um, of the design. Currently, I run the standard development team at the International Wellbuilding Institute, where we work on the wellbuilding standard. And I get to put people at the center of my work all day, every day, think through how we can have positive impact on their work through light, through mind, through sound. And um, I can't wait to see uh, how we change and how we all can move the needle forward. 
Thank you. And Caroline? Of course, I'm a mental health and well-being in the workplace, which is kind of vital to being human in the workplace. And often that's something that's been left out until um, recently where people have been recognising how important mental health and well-being mm -hmm. for our health, our productivity, our engagement. And so my focus is on supporting cultures and businesses develop that as a natural part of their daily um, activity at work. And David? Yeah, hi everyone. Thanks for the uh, lovely introduction, Vivian. So as you said, uh, sort of, you know, my focus is on helping the marginalized in uh, not just the working world, but learning space, events everywhere else. And how I do that um, is by providing tools for the likes of everybody else on the panel, um, the likes of Rosie and her work. Uh, so actually creating, I'm CEO and founder of Nook, and Nook is designed to create a sort of withdrawal space for people to escape this uh, supposedly one size fits all which ends up fitting nobody, open office, uh, open plan office space. So my focus is all around actual tools which help to humanize the workspace as much as possible. Thank you, David. And Honey, I can't hear you. I can hear you, but you're very quiet. So yes. it might be just the volume. Maybe thing. if you can put the mic uh, next to your mouth. Is that any better? Yeah, but it's very soft. Shout. Okay, how's this? Is this any better? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Otherwise, remove, remove, uh, just remove and, and use the computer uh, microphone. Okay, is this any good? I hear you very softly. Is it okay now? Yes, better, much better. Yes. Okay, so I'm just using my laptop um, microphone fine. for now. So I'll plug back in uh, when, when others are talking. So um, mm -hmm. bear with me. Um, <laughs> so I work with businesses that are, um, they've identified problems with the acoustics in their workplaces. So um, with the use of electronic sound masking systems and passive absorbent panels, I help to um, create a more pleasant working environment, uh, which helps people to have a nicer day at work. So they are um, happier, they, they enjoy their workspace. And we work with companies, designers, um, interior fit out companies, um, really anyone that would listen um, to how acoustics can boost your um, uh, productivity in the workplace and your happiness. Okay, then um, let me start with you with asking the, the next question. So can you share some tips on how workplace design can boost the mind? And I'm going to ask everybody two tips. So honey, can you start with sharing two tips? How? So basically, first of all, I mean, the, the way to uh, figuring out what you need to do is to be mindful of what you have. So what do you have? And, you know, are you happy with that and researching around? I mean, the well guide is a really good um, resource for looking at um, ways in which you can improve your workplace. So it's full of um, ideas and uh, further reading on how you can improve your workplace. So fundamentally, I mean, the, the two that I find um, most important is really light and, and sound. Um, but I'm going to focus on sound for obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, so, 
you know, really being mindful of what you can hear, not just in your workplace, all the time, every day, you're, you're bombarded. Um, you know, we tend to focus more on the visual things because it's something we can point at, it's something we can touch, it's something, uh, you know, we can easily talk about. But um, with sound, it's, um, it's not a mystical area. You know, it's very clear cut, you know, if you go to the right places and you know what to look at. So it is very, um, you know, empirically speaking, you can measure an improvement in a workplace by improving the acoustics, um, you know, by thinking about the shapes of rooms you have and how many reflective or absorbent surfaces you have and what your ambient noise is. You know, ambient noise is very important. And, uh, you know, if you think about in the dead of night, all of the sounds you can hear at home, those sounds are still there in the day, but you don't hear them because they're drowned out by other noises, um, birds, yeah. song, cars, wind, you know, all those types of things. So being mindful leads you to find out what actually you ought to improve the most. So my, my two most impactful um, elements of offices, in my experience, have been light and sound. I also wanted to add something to that because when it came to the open offices, I uh, sometimes was put in a situation where colleagues or people were kidnapping you with their conversations in a uh, in a floor plan where at least 30 people were talking or not not talking working and two people were very, extremely loud hanging over uh, um, the um, how do you say it? a cupboard or something to just have a conversation while everybody was listening and I was just like why are you kidnapping me with your conversation which wasn't even interesting so I find it very um, I find it very interesting how that is going to be during um after people come back to the office but that's another thing that i can ask you later and david sure so i'm um, i'm going to echo what hani says but i'm also going to mention light as well but i'm not going to focus on those because those guys can talk about these things in a much more mm -hmm. specific way gayathri too i presume you'll talk about light so what i want to talk about i guess on top of those things which i think are three uh there's three cornerstones those are two and the last one is uh, autonomy mm. for me is allowing people an element of control um control of sound by moving panels around or by going to places that are quieter control of light to allow for you know personalizing the space um and there's another there's and there's other things you can do and tricks that i think i'm going to mention a really really left field one um you can use vibration in a really interesting way in the workspace and it sounds very funny and it is funny actually and it can lead to hilarity mm. but did you know that if you have gentle vibration in a seat you can help someone with adhd to really really focus and it doesn't even have to be someone on the extreme with adhd it helps me i'm a fidgeter and having vibration happening in the seat stops me from fidgeting and allows me to focus on stuff so I think there's really broad stuff like autonomy and then there's lovely little detailed stuff like a vibrating seat that can help you. <laughs> okay, Caroline, how are you going to I talk love that, that, David. That's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> absolutely brilliant. <laughs> For me, it kind of taps into what David was saying. You know, spaces where people can um, engage, where they can communicate, that makes it easy for them to be able to connect with each other, to share ideas, to share spaces, uh, experiences, to you know, really motivate and inspire each other. And um, the other thing is about um, diversity and access, mm -hmm. because I think that if you develop 
an environment that actually represents diversity in what you see, what you engage with, and makes it accessible for people from um, who have uh, disabilities or have a different perspective or different approach, then that's really important in terms of inclusion and uh, connection and bringing your whole self to work. And so that's what I would say. Would I be totally two, agree. Two tips. Yeah. I totally agree. And then uh, Gayatri. Sorry, got stuck with the mute button there. Um, I'm going to echo what Caroline and David said around accessibility and controllability, um, creating a space where people feel mm -hmm. belong, um, whether it's in the choice of snacks or the artwork that's used or the colors of the um, of, of the furniture is something that I think is really important in creating a space where people feel like they belong. Um, controllability, whether it's as simple as being able to control the shades or being as simple as being able to ask for a task lamp if you need, need it, um, um, because that, that in and of itself can have a huge impact. Your, the amount of light that you need doubles between the age of 20 and 40. So just have, allowing people to ask for task lamps, giving them the opportunity to control their environments, to customize their environments can go a really long way in making people feel comfortable. So accessibility and controllability would be my two. Rosie. Um, right, I think to probably build, so yes to all of the above and probably to add a little bit, a different perspective. I think it's, it's variety. So I think it's about really understanding the end user and the variety of end users. So in terms of individuals, but also the different tasks that they need to do at different parts of the day, different personalities, different moods you may be in, mm -hmm. um, and designing the workplace to accommodate all of those different things at different times and for different people. Um, so, you know, there's lots of talk about activity-based working and agile working, but giving people that variety, that landscape, and that will vary by business and by sector, et cetera. Um, but it's about really having an approach that, first of all, listens out for those things, you know, sort of does the research up front before just sort of jumping into the design process to provide the right things for the right people. Mm -hmm. I think there's another part to that, that, that then, of course, manifests in a variety of spaces in a, a diverse workplace. I think there's another thing actually about that process of design, which is also really key for boosting the mind. I think it's erring on the mental health side of things. You know, the workplace is and any changes to it are very emotional. You know, people are very attached to their workplace. So I think the involvement of people in workplace design, which I think is probably an extension of this sort of giving people autonomy and a bit of control, but it's involving them in the process, gauging, you know, engaging them and gauging their feedback as you go through a design process to bring people on that journey of change. Because um, I think, you know, we're involved in varying ways in, in designing that space for them. But I think it's it's also a, a with them, you know, yeah. involving people who, who are going to use the space. Yeah. You took my you took my sentence away. I was just going to talk about, you know, whatever change that you are implementing, please include the people because uh, they have to adopt it. They have to live in it. They have to work in it. And if they don't feel at home or at peace, it will be hard for them to stay productive. And another thing that I also want to add in, because I see Gayatri being surrounded with all the green and sometimes when I come to, well, in the previous, so previously before COVID, because I haven't entered an, an office after the, during this whole lockdown is um, I'm missing a lot of green 
I'm missing a lot of green in uh, so many offices, um, especially when the offices are green or they have a lot of plants. So I'm not asking you to create a botanical garden. I'm just add, asking you to create, to add in more plants because plants provide um, oxygen and it also can create an environment where people have more energy. They feel energized because of the plants. So please include the plants and if, people are working from home, maybe send them a gift card so that they can buy their plants for at home because they still will need that oxygen to stay productive. That's my two cents. And um, let me start with you, Gayatri, because you are specialized with light. And uh, those of you who are specialized with sound, I, it doesn't matter how, who answers what. I just wanted to share, what can you share about the quality of light or sound? And why is it important to, to pay attention towards this? Because I heard all of you mentioning something about light or sound or both. And maybe you can help the people to understand why it is important to say something about sound. And before we start going there, I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to share something from Giverni who said that vibrating seat from Nuke <laughs> is a surprise we're not expected to. So David, you have something, you have a lot of explaining to do after this. <laughs> yeah, Giverni has a very specific recollection of that vibrating seat from Clerk and Well Design Week, which was not announced to her at the start of the interview, but she knew about it by the end. That's good to know. Okay, Gayatri, can you answer this question? Sure. Um, so light exposure is fundamental um, to our circadian rhythms. We have evolved over thousands of years just following the tracking, following the sun, right? We go to sleep yeah. and the sun goes to sleep. We wake up and the sun wakes up. Our bodies have evolved with that. So when we talk about light um, and light exposure specifically, we are talking about quality of sleep. We are talking, we, that's the flip side we're talking about. Also stress. So um, it is fundamentally important that we get light exposure um, during the day. And okay. uh, I'm, I'm some, I can sometimes be annoying because no, you no. mentioned something that you need to highlight it again. Okay. So start with the fundamental part, because maybe some people in the back did not hear it okay. or it was, you know, it was too fast. So say it, repeat it. So light exposure is fundamental to the functioning of our circadian rhythms. Thank it's, you. When we talk about light, we talk about sleep. Um, I hope the people at the back are listening very closely now. Um, it's, um, it's unfortunate because uh, we, as I said, we evolve with, um, with the light or with the sun. It's unfortunate because we spend so much of our time indoors. Um, mm -hmm. You may have noticed a lot of people saying that their sleep quality has changed since the uh, whole COVID thing started. Forget the fact that it's a global pandemic, there's a lot of stress, but think about the light exposure that folks would have been getting when they were commuting. And just that little bit of change, the fact that we are staying indoors day in and day out, not necessarily opening our blinds, maybe our windows aren't big enough, it has can can have a huge impact on how we sleep and just the quantity of light that we get is is what we need to consider so circadian rhythm is a quantity of light now you may not get that light from windows so we supplement it with electric light and that's where the quality of light comes in electric light is always compared to daylight when we talk about the quality right um, but then all electric light is not made equal so mm -hmm. some um, light if not well made uh, can have flicker can have glare and that can directly impact our experiences of migraines, of headaches, 
And that leads to low productivity. That leads to more stress, lack of sleep. Um, so light is um, light is fundamental to um, to functioning, and it's one of the core elements that keep us waking up and going to sleep. Yeah, even people working in uh, back caves or similar uh, areas where there isn't there is little attention towards light, because I've yeah. been in those occasions yeah. where I yeah. couldn't put my finger on why I feel a little bit blah when I entered yeah. the workplace, yeah. even though it was Monday morning and I was really yeah. excited to come to work. I still had this blah feeling at the end of the day. I, I felt drained. Yeah. And now looking back, light and the exposure towards daylight was something that I w that was lacking. Yeah. 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 Can I just add to that? Um, Definitely. That's, that's really important points that are being made. And in terms of mental health, people might be noticing that they're feeling more anxious, they're becoming more depressed, um, mm -hmm. irritable, they're not able to concentrate, it's affecting their memory, um, and and also their, their ability to get work done. And they're mm -hmm. feeling quite exhausted. And that's because natural light, as you um, probably know, affects the um, release of hormones, so it affects the the serotonin, which control which controls mood. So if you're not getting the natural sunlight, then you're not then producing enough serotonin that will affect your mood. So just in a positive way, in a exactly, positive way, yeah. Exactly, ten minutes of going out for a walk to get some, to to get some sunlight actually helps with that. Yes. If I may, Vivian, one final thing on light, it can have a really positive effect from a neurodiversity point of view. We know that different hues and colors of light can have an effect, powerful effect on our mood, but they can also make us feel, you know, calm if we're feeling anxious um, and different tones of, in particular, say, green light. And it's very specific, personal, so it's really important that people can adjust it, can actually help someone with dyslexia to Ooh. avoid having uh, a, an attack of dyslexia. I thought dyslexia was just a thing that you, you have that's sort of flat, but actually it's something that can go up and down and light can have a powerful uh, impact on it. And so under certain tones of in particular green light, you can either prevent someone from having a dyslexic sort of attack event, or you can help them recover quickly from one. That oh, makes me a bit really curious. Yes, that makes me uh, curious about um, how would people find out which light they they can boost their their mood and which light is something that they need to refrain from is there something a research or somewhere that they need to go to um get to know what color it is for me i know the color purple pink works i know that by hand but i i it's not scientifically shown but i know it it, it really boosts my mood that's why you see purple and pink everywhere but i'm, I'm really curious about is there um is there a place or is there somewhere that people can go to see what kind of effect certain colors have on their mood? So for me, the best way to do that is trial and error because it is very personal, but certainly there are indeed websites and I can provide some links for where you'll find the broad scope of what effect different colors have. But the best yeah. thing is to, if people have an environment where there's real finite adjustability of the light and in an immersive space that allows that to really put you in that green zone or purple zone 
or lilac zone, whatever it is it might be, that's where you'll really see the effect over a period of time. Unfortunately, it's very personal to be to be able to do, for example, a handy five-step internet test on such a thing. <laughs> okay, and Rosie, what do you think about that then? What, what, uh, what can you share? Something about the quality of light or sound, whatever it is that you want to address? I think um, probably going back to my point of before likewise I think it's it's also I think natural light is obviously the the sort of far superior of any type of light but I do also think there is quite kind of a desire for a bit of diversity you know there's the times when people actually want to tuck themselves away feel a bit more enclosed um you know, take themselves somewhere what you might call cozy or um with kind of warmer hues of light um particularly kind of in the winter you find that and um again it's about it's about serving different people. But I would say sort of the overall, you know, we carry out sort of huge surveys and we really engage with, with all the end, end users of, of all of our clients. And overwhelmingly, the kind of the biggest request whenever anybody is moving office is, can we have more natural light? Yeah. So I think that's just the most natural response of, of any client we've ever had. Yeah. Really. But it's also that um, I've seen more and more offices that are moving towards that. And definitely when you come from an environment where... Uh, natural daylight isn't there and you visit for instance I visited the, the edge and there are a few a lot of uh, new offices in Amsterdam are really focusing on including daylight even from the moment that you step in the building you feel re-energized I had that feeling from a few offices and from a few offices I don't have that when I enter the building I feel my energy being drained without even you know walking maybe five minutes yeah so i think then the you know obviously if you're working in a building where it hasn't been designed in such a way like the edge has you know, certain mm -hmm. buildings will have certain constraints in terms of the light that's afforded on the floor plate so yeah. and the challenge for the designer is to think well how do we maximize light where we can natural light where we can how do we place things in space to you know take full advantage of where there is natural light where do we minimize any partitioning around you know the, the edges of the floor plates you put sort of partitioning around mm -hmm. the core so it's kind of playing with the light where it is and if spaces yeah. are particularly dark where, wherever wherever there are areas of darkness you know, do you you can obviously illuminate them or do you play with that and create those different spaces which actually have a very different kind of ambiance and 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 work with that yeah and honey what do you have to share about the sound? You know, sound is very important to to us. We're we're subject to it all the time as with light. And um, you know, if you sometimes it, it's um, easy to regard sound as a something which isn't positive. So there are mm -hmm. there is such thing as negative sound and a positive soundscape. Um, so positive soundscapes, for example, birdsong, uh, you know, can have a restorative effect. Um, and that's something that um, I've looked at with, uh, there's a academic research study um, on the um, impact of uh, noise and sound on sleep uh, at King's College. And they found that, um, you know, sound has the ability to be detrimental to health but it also has the, the potential to be um, restorative which is really um, it's quite amazing you know if you imagine you know if you're unfortunate enough to have a, a hospital stay um, mm -hmm. the soundscape has the potential to either lengthen or shorten your stay yeah. um, and sleep's very important as well so uh, the ability to be able to sleep 
when you're tired, when you're poorly. Um, you know, sleep allows you to process your day. You know, if you have the correct sleep stages and uh, the correct level of light, your rhythm, uh, if it's intact and is able to be as it is at home or as close as it is at home, uh, then the better. Um, would it be well. Would it be helpful if we had, um, let's say, nature sound at work as well? Well, there has been some research into that and um, there's been lots of trials and there's a few hospitals around the country that have um, bird song uh, through soundscapes, you know, in the ceiling. Mm -hmm. um, but there's something um, peculiar about listening to bird song when you're indoors. Um, it, it's not natural. You know, it doesn't, mm. something's wrong. Like people are looking for, <laughs> where's the bird? You know, where, is something wrong? Do we need to tell someone? Um, so that can sometimes have a counterproductive effect. Um, the idea is lovely, but if you have, there are such things as soundscapes outdoors. Um, there's a tunnel somewhere in the north of England where, you know, a pedestrianised tunnel where they have um, speakers laid out in the um, roof where, you know, you can listen to nature sounds because there's a lot of research done on stress and noise mm -hmm. and um, not noise that we would legislate for, but general noise, people talking, telephones ringing. Um, in the workplace, for example, and also traffic noise, uh, which is um, subject to legislation. But the um, it's not just noise; it's the green spaces as well. So coming to the to the plant life, and uh, not just the renewing of oxygen, but just seeing green is helpful. Um, hearing the birdsong, seeing greenness, um, feeling like you're closer to nature. You know, this is where uh, the biophilia aspect comes in as well, which I'm sure, mm -hmm. you know, you will uh, look at as well. Um, a closeness to nature um, is, or a love of nature is where we, you know, maybe some of us are recently discovering that we like nature a little bit more now that we have the option to explore it. Um, you know, being able to listen to birdsong um, and be in nature is, uh, is something that I think maybe a lot of us are discovering that actually it's quite nice. Uh, but we've never really given it a chance before. Um, and also coming back to the, the light thing as well, I was um, listening to a programme and they were talking about how this uh, past few months period has given us the ability to really understand if we're an owl or a lark. Um, you know, so working nine to five, you're, you're kind of forced into this rhythm. And um, I mean, everybody knows what they are, probably. I think people know if they're a morning person or a nighttime person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing that contributes to your happiness in the day. You know, if you're yeah. trying to force a square peg through a round hole, it's not going to it's not going to happen. Um, you know, okay. it will just have a cumulative unhappy effect. <laughs> yeah. What did you say if you what? Maybe maybe you have to uh, you have to mention that because I I see a lot of companies putting people into boxes where they don't fit. So can you repeat that sentence that you said about putting a square something in a, yes, that, that oh, part. Yeah. I'm not sure if I've got it the right way around. Is it a square peg in a round hole? Um, you know, if something doesn't fit, you can't mm -hmm. force it. You're not yeah. going to have success at the end. So, yeah. you know, accepting that people are different, you know, by having flexible work hours or uh, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's super important, you know, as important as, because I mean that's a really fundamental thing having quality sleep is really important uh, you know if you consider how um, 
negative one might be if one hasn't had enough sleep. Definitely. Um, even the simplest things, like being yeah. interrupted at work, you know, a colleague asking you if you want a cup of tea and you snap, no, you know, because you're, you, you feel agitated, you, you're not yourself. Um, so being able to focus at work is really important. And there's lots of things that we've already discussed which contribute to our ability to be able to do that. Um, a focus is really important and noise, um, I talk about noise and sound. Noise has a negative connotation. Noise is something we try and escape from and we, we don't enjoy. But sound, you know, the category comes into music that we like or a soundscape that we're comfortable with. And I find that in the workplace, the soundscape which you don't acknowledge, which you don't notice, is the best one because it allows you to be free. It allows your mind to go places. It, you're not forced into this, um, it, you know, this is where background music comes in as well, which we all listen to in retail outlets. But some offices or some co-working spaces have background sound. And I'm not really certain it's helpful maybe there's a time and a place for it but you know generally I find that if you have a neutral ambience it's it allows people to show their individuality um go on David have you got something? I was just going to add yeah that that whole aspect of sound too that I'm sure you'll echo um, and that we uh, can tend to forget about is one of the reasons that people struggle in a quiet environment mm -hmm. which lacks uh, you know a soundscape that you're describing Hania has got a lot to do with how we constantly feel in a spotlight mm -hmm. in life we're always feeling judged even if we're not being judged right we always wonder what everyone else is thinking about us so having to have a phone call and in particular now video calls which is <laughs> you know just so prevalent in an open office space with everybody else around when there's no noise is a horrendous experience for, for many people. Say at least 50% of people who would maybe self-identify self as introverts and more. And so I think it's really important to talk about, you know, adding noise to a space when there's, when there's none is really important. And then just very quickly on your previous point, honey, about um, biophilics. The brain uh, is indeed activated in a really positive way by nature. But also, if we're going to talk about tips for workspace, by pictures of nature. <laughs> so it doesn't, all, and why we would always say, please make it actual plants, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that might be a little bit scary because people go, yeah, plants and maintenance and all the cost that comes with it. And it's a commitment. But well, okay, pictures, <laughs> you yeah. know, big walls of nature and green and pods with nature pictures in or whatever. That all really helps too. Even putting in fake plants with real plants can be helpful to to boost the mind in a positive proven. way. So yeah, it's yeah. definitely yeah. proven. Coming back it does to also help with acoustics as well. Yeah. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Um, I wanted to ask you three more questions. Do you have uh, ten minutes over time in your agenda? Yeah. Okay. Um, because now we're coming back to the office and every office has to be COVID-proof, so also the open office. What are the things that companies need to be mindful of when they are redesigning their space? And let me start with Honey again. Oh, good, because I've only got one thing to say on this. Um, mm -hmm. That's really the, most, the thing that I've noticed most is um, the plastic screens. Mm. Uh, you know, that they're, I mean, I, I'm not sure there's an alternative. Um, but, you know, the more hard surfaces you put everywhere, sound is just bouncing off these surfaces. So, you know, you're, you're potentially creating a reverberant space. And 
when you have a smaller urban space, you know, some of the frequencies that you're um, subject to, you know, are very irritating. And often, if you're in a role where you need to communicate with people, frequencies are bouncing around the room. So this, you've got this extra energy bouncing around the room, which is competing with speech frequencies. So it's affecting your ability to communicate because you can't hear people. And, you know, if you've ever had a phone call with bad signal, either your end or their end, it's infuriating. Yeah. You know, you just think, oh, I, you know, I can't do this. So imagine having that all day. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that plastic screens are going to stop you from communicating, but uh, to be mindful of where you're putting them, how much you're putting them, um, you know, it will affect your soundscape, um, surprisingly so. You know, in the same way that if you put up passive uh, acoustic absorbers, you know, it doesn't seem like a lot, but it really feels different. It changes the feel of a room, um, you know, quite dramatically sometimes. So it, just the plastic screens, are, I mean, I don't really know what the answer is, um, but to be mindful of how much you put in, I, I would say, is my um, prevalent point. Okay, thank you. And Rosie? Um, I think, well, everyone probably knows the, you know, the things around social distancing and, of course, laying offices out for whatever the, the, the meterage is that we need, you know, two metres, one metre plus. And there's been lots of work and lots all over the internet around how you, how you manage that in terms of, you know, taking certain desks out of action and one-way routes, etc. And, yes, that may be around for the foreseeable. But I think the bigger, you know, if I kind of explode it a little bit bigger and, and zoom out from that, it's saying, OK, there may be social distancing um, rules and guides in place but I think there's the bigger um, the bigger thing that we need to think about is just the pure role of space and how mm -hmm. even if we have to be socially distanced the idea of being able to come back together is really really important so we mm -hmm. carried out um, a nationwide survey that we launched in about April May because we really wanted to capture some of this you know the information around how people are actually feeling about working from home but also their perception and their sort of thoughts and appetite to come back to the office and and anything in between you know what what are their views on working from home going forward and what we found is that you know I think and this is, again chimes with a lot of the the wider research that's been done elsewhere that you know I think people want that mix so people will end up working from home about half a week and going into an office for about half a week but the key thing was thinking about what is it they want to go into the office for so what we found is people definitely aren't missing the commute um they're quite enjoying working from home overall but the things that they really are missing and things are finding a challenge is collaboration so face-to-face -face interaction with colleagues and actually also the social side of that are the things that we're going to need to design in so COVID proof you know certainly we have to accommodate for but enabling people to come into a space and be physically present together and collaborate mm -hmm. meet together work together talk together I think that's what companies need to be most mindful of. So how to do that safely, obviously, in the short to medium term, longer term, hopefully some of those things will go away. But, you know, any decisions we're making now or in the next year are probably building things for the slightly longer term. So it's, mm -hmm. it's definitely also a rethink of what the office is about. So certainly lots of tasks will be done much more frequently at home as people begin to work from home, um, you know, a few days a week. But the things that can't be done so well at home and really we need the workplace for, then let's make sure we design those spaces to enable those things. Yeah, definitely. And Gayatri? With the pandemic hitting, um, I think a lot of us have taken a good hard look at what's important for each of us personally. 
And I think um, this is also an opportunity for organizations to take a good hard look of how, how they've been functioning. So to echo uh, what's been said already, um, of course, temperature checks, uh, PPE, making sure the distancing is there, but also fundamentally a lot of the things that may, we may have not given that much importance to, air filtration, mm -hmm. air ventilation, yeah. uh, emergency preparedness plans, which which you know realizing that everybody needs to go remote in two days is when you realize okay i need to know how mm -hmm. i can respond in, uh, when there's an emergency um cleaning protocols um that it the, the cleaning protocols is not a now thing it's a forever thing so um these are few things that need to be taken into account um in the long term and kind of redefine how um, companies and how spaces are working um to serve the people that come in to collaborate to work and spend time in caroline yeah. i think for me the three things that really st struck me about covid19 is the importance of flexibility, adaptability, and creativity. Because those three things, people have actually come to, come to really value and really know that they need that. They need to be able to adapt to new ways of working, new ways of doing things. And they need to be able to have the choice. They need to have the flexibility to be able to decide what best works for them that increases their motivation, their engagement, their, their productivity, and gives them a good work-life balance. Mm -hmm. and creativity people have had to be creative and it, it's brought out people's creativity and their innovation and that's been really productive not only on a personal level for people but also on the business level as well so i think those three things are really important to look at when we're when we're going back into the workplace for um, businesses to, to to work as um rosie was saying with the people to look at the diversity of what people need and then to really listen to that and actually respond to it in a really positive way. Yes, definitely. And David? Well, to amplify what Caroline just said about flexibility, dexterity, I think we're going to spend a little period of time now. Uh, I heard a funny expression recently. It was the hokey-cokey lockdown because we're going to be in, out, <laughs> in, out. And so there's a lot of uncertainty ahead of us. And I've spoken to a lot of our customers mm -hmm. now in this uh, past couple of months, and a lot of them said, yeah. I wish we were more flexible. I wish we had been able to make more changes that didn't require investment. And when I am investing now moving forward, I'm going to make sure I buy flexibly so that when guidelines change and things change, so that I'm not making investments like those plastic screens, honey, that are going to have to be thrown out in six months time, which is uh, not just a waste for the organization's pocket, but also a desperate waste for the planet. So to be able to make that, um, that Jan Rosie touched on agile, I think this is going to be, this, this period is going to be a boost for a whole bunch of stuff that have been taking a long time to move forward. Mm -hmm. Mental health, agility, sustainability, all of those things are really coming right to the front. Yeah. And then another piece that was touched on previously, I think by Caroline as well, uh, with her brilliant idea about sending people vouchers for improving their home, is the home. Yeah. Is acknowledging that people need to really focus on where they're working at home. Mm -hmm. I know people, personal friends, who four months into this situation, finally, after crouching over a laptop in a space like, akin to a cupboard, finally said, maybe I need to get a decent chair. Yeah. You know, we're really slow to make those changes and we need our organizations to kind of push us and support us in that regard. 
So if we can help people make better use of their homes, we're thinking about our homes now as sanctuaries and as safe spaces more than we ever did before. But we're also thinking of them from a multifunctional point of view in a way that we never did before. So many people trying to do so many things that conflict with each other, quiet, noisy, active, static, all at the same time. So if we can, as organizations, we can help uh, our, our people empower their homes to be more mindful, think about that mental health thing, focus on, you know, uh, as was also previously said, engaging with people so the design changes, they're bought into it. And by buying into it, not only then does it help people accept it more than that, it actually helps people own it. And when you own the decision-making about the space yourself, you start to defend it. And then that's when you really start to engage in people's purpose around a space as well, whether it be the home or the, or the office. Yeah. Are you preaching? David, I want every, <laughs> I want every office to have a, a vibrating chair, definitely. <laughs> well, you forgot that one. <laughs> Talk to me afterwards, Caroline. <laughs> So coming, so coming back on what that you sounds like a call to arms. Coming yeah. back on what you uh, what you shared, David, because I really wanted to use that pitch on everybody's focusing on the workplaces, and forgetting that at home, we also need to do a lot of stuff. So I really love the example that you brought in regarding your friend that was really working on a poor chair. We, my, me myself at home, the first week we started working on the kitchen tape, and I was just like, no. This is not something that I would advise others. So why am I doing it myself? So we have a home office. This is my office. And then downstairs, we have a, a home office as well, because the two of us, we need to work comfortable. We need to create that environment as well. And also we need to be mindful. And what I see is a lot of companies are focusing on their physical workspace, but forgetting the remote workspace where their people <coughs> maybe can uh, borrow uh, a monitor, for instance, or maybe can borrow the chairs that are not being used anyway. Why not bring that into the the new workplace? And why not provide the tools so that your uh, your people can work comfortably? I really liked, I think it was Spotify who in the beginning shared a, a bonus of working from home bonus of $1,000. I'm not saying that every company should do that, but I do feel like with everything that you're saving, you're maybe you're downsizing from your office or maybe you're saving on other pieces try to invest back in your people and provide them maybe vouchers or provide them tools or maybe discounts so that they can purchase their uh their own chair their own bureaus or maybe even a massage because sitting uh all the time <laughs> working from home is it's different you don't have your coffee moment so find ways, provide toolkits uh, to share that they need to break from time to time because working from home, for me as a part introvert, my, the introvert side of me really likes this, but there is also the ambivert side of me that says I need to have that connection. I need people surrounding me. I need to be outside. So whatever it is that they need from you, ask them so that you can maybe provide the tools and the tips that they need to still keep thriving because working from home the way it's going now i think that it will be longer than just the half year that everybody's looking forward to so yeah yeah i think that toolkit is really vital actually mm -hmm. because it's you know and that's one of the things too that i think needs to be top line in all of this and it's mm -hmm. you know and that's where it falls to the experts 
to help with that is it's got to be easy or people won't do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we follow the line of least resistance. We are busy. We are stressed. We are trying to manage children. We are trying to manage workloads, mm -hmm. you know, all of that type of stuff. So it's not enough to say, make your workspace at home better. Guys, we're supporting you. And even a voucher, which is a great idea, still leaves it to them to go, oh, yeah. gosh, where do I start with this? Yeah. So I think those tips are really important. You know, what kind of chair? What can I do around the space? Hang some mm -hmm. blankets around the area just to stop the echo from your hard walls. <laughs> Hania, you must, you know, <laughs> you've got to love that idea. <laughs> Maybe not behind you, but off camera, right? <laughs> Just yeah, put no. down that. We've all been on those calls, right? Where someone goes, hi, I'm here, 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 here. <laughs> no, definitely. And also something that I wanted to share because um, the World Economic Forum um, had a conversation with, um, I, I guess, the United Nations, no, the World Health Organization. They had a conversation with them. And the World Health Organization already shared that we recognize that COVID is a pandemic, but there is another pandemic that's coming and it's happening by the end of the year. And that is, we are burning out. We are being overstressed. Mm -hmm. So please be mindful that in the upcoming months, please pay attention towards stress tips uh, paying attention towards uh, providing toolkits so that people can unwind, can recharge. Because now that people are working from home, you don't know how long they are working from home. Some, are, some people don't know how to shut down. Some people feel like they need to be monitored all the time or some companies are monitoring their people. In the beginning, we mentioned, uh, some of you mentioned autonomy. Give them the freedom to do whatever it is that they can do as long as they be mindful with it, the time. So coming to the last question, and I'll start with you, David. What is your wish for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and boosting the mind combined with workplace design? Um, first and foremost, I think that we finally get to a point where we stop seeing neurodiversity as this separate thing over there that maybe we should care about because we should, because that's a good thing to do. It, neurodiversity affects all of us. Mm -hmm. If you build, indeed, like I said in my intro, uh, if you build for the extreme, you will benefit the mean. So all of the types of things, and, we, and they're fun, and they're really powerful in terms of what they, what they do to boost our mind. But if we design a workspace, if we just think about the work, and we help with guidelines for people to think about their home in this regard mm -hmm. too, you will end up with a really powerful symbiosis between the person and the organization and that would be my ultimate goal for long-term workplace that's magical caroline yeah for me it goes back as always to mental health and well-being and i know that there's a something known as well-being architecture mm -hmm. and my wish would be that mental health and well-being becomes an integral part of all design of workspaces so that that becomes a natural part of the culture and that it's supported in terms of diversity, inclusion, accessibility, and so that mental health is just as important as the physical health in terms of health and safety and well-being and engagement and promotion. So that would be my wish for 2025. I know that um, the companies that are embracing well or have a well certificate already have that so definitely connect with Gayatri where the, the lady who's next to you I don't know where, where to point but the lady who's next to you 
because well is definitely amplifying mental well-being in their in their whole protocol so um, I hope to see yeah. more buildings getting well approved or at least adopting some of the principles from Wales so that we all feel we all our wishes will come true. Gayatri. In addition to um, what David and Caroline said, I want to talk about equity um, mm -hmm. and talk about placing that in the center of design. We have, over the last few months, been leaning on essential workers. Uh, who are the people in a building um, that are least likely to get daylight exposure? Is it the people, mm -hmm. uh, is it the tenants? No. Is it the receptionists? No. It's the janitors. So how can we make sure that the essential workers, that everybody in a building has access to all the policies, all the design elements we're talking about? Um, and how can we make sure they're not forgotten? So um, I would like to see equity to be put in the center of design in 2025. Thank you. Thank you. Rosie? Um, I guess it's just, I think the workplace will have changed immensely by then. And I really hope we learn, we use this moment to really learn and take, you know, look away and put behind us the things that haven't worked well in the workplace, things that are just there out of, you know, by default, we go in every day to rows and rows of desks, but we learn from what's worked well out of this and what we don't want to go back to. And I think what COVID is doing, it's, it's allowing us to accelerate. You know, we've been advocating agile working and activity-based working and variety and mental health, all of these things for years. There's been so much resistance. I think now is the opportunity to, to really push that stuff forward and think rethink what it is that people actually want and need from their workplaces and create spaces that actually people really love going to because they choose to go to them and they're given the freedom to make that choice so on certain days or for certain tasks um so it's a you know, really great place people want to go to but also supporting them to make their own decision on the days that they don't want to go to that workplace because understanding that actually if you empower people to to do their work and trust them to do their work, then they can do that from wherever they, they want to. And you just would hope that the space and the culture of a business and an organization is such that they do want to come in at certain times to collaborate. So I think it's just a, a much broader perspective of what work is and creating workplaces that, that support that. I love hearing all your stories. I'm so inspired by everybody. I love it. I, I really love it. Hanny, last but not least. So I'm going to follow on from Rosie's point about collaboration. Um, and I um, I don't work in a large open plan office with lots of people, but I get to see other companies, large open plan offices with lots of people. So I get exposed to, uh, as Rosie does too, I'm sure, to, uh, and the rest of you to, to other people's um, offices. So for me, I hope that, um, I mean, culture is a very broad term, but culture, I feel, accepts all of these facets that you all mention uh, because if you have the right culture or the right attitude of your workforce all of these um, elements that you mention um, they can be easy things to change or they can be really hard things to change mm -hmm. um, so I mean in my experience the culture of the company depending on the size you know sometimes comes from management and sometimes comes from the leaders within that uh, business um, but having a workplace where it's predominantly a place to collaborate, um, you know, maybe, you know, off the end of this uh, lockdown that we've seen, um, collaboration, I think it's putting a focus on collaboration. And if you imagine, you know, in your personal lives as well, when we're organising to meet friends and family, you really want to make the most of it because 
you're not doing it as often you're not you know seeing one friend one day and another friend the next day you know in quick succession you're really considering who you're seeing how much time you're spending and what you're doing um i hope that in the workplace it becomes more like that because in the past, people just go to work five days a week and, you know, just staring at the clock on the laptop and, you know, I mean, not everyone's like that and not yeah. all the time, but, you know, to, to reduce the frequency of that happening and really get the best of people and allow people to really shine, you know, going into the office when they would like uh, to meet the colleagues they would like to collaborate with and be creative with them, um, whatever your role is. Um, so culture, I think, is... Um, is something that is really fundamental to all of the changes that that you mention in the acceptance of them uh, or not as the case may be but being able to really uh, focus on the things you want to achieve when you're when you do go to the office and having the spaces and the right agile working or the colors or the lighting levels to achieve that i think um, getting that right will be really important Thank you. Thank you all for sharing. I just wanted to highlight some of the comments that came in. So Joanna said she agreed with David, as long as the noise doesn't stop the introvert from being able to focus and to do their best work. So thank you, Joanna. Um, I'm seeing also another lady from the workplace uh, design group, uh, a ladies group, I guess. And it's Harsha Kotak, and she agrees with Rosie. Uh, the face-to-face -face interaction needs to be designed in keeping time to rethink, replan, and rebuild the offices of the future, for the future. Um, Sonsolas, who was a previous guest, uh, a big party, definitely a big party, and I am smiling. <laughs> and Joanna is saying so true. And somebody, ah, Nook America. So David, did you, did you bring in your colleagues? <laughs> We spread the word far and wide. Did you bring in the your colleagues? in the house. <laughs> Great discussion. Congrats to the panel. Is there time to address the question of designing, working from anywhere, office, home, local, working? Hmm. Do we have time? I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> So Rosie, so Rosie, let, let, let's leave this as a last question. Um, what would you, how would you address this or answer this question? Yeah, I mean, I think as I said, there's, we're certainly going to see an increase in working from home, as well as working from the office. But I do think it's then a, a broader spectrum as well. It's kind of mm -hmm. working from anywhere. And again, some of those things already existed before. You know, working on the train, working in a cafe, working um, in, you know before a meeting working at a client's office or, or whatever. But I think there's also, if we look at geographies as well, you're thinking, you know, depending on your proximity to the office and what your usual commute is, I think now that people don't have to go into the office as much and there's, there's that kind of changed culture of, mm -hmm. of people need to go in, depending how far that is. If, if actually you live an hour or two commute from London or from whichever city you live in, there may be days where you don't want to go all the way in, but actually you don't want to be at home all day. So I think there's going to be a rise in, you know, as, as one of those pointers in the question, local co-working, be that sort of a general co-working space where anybody can go. Or actually, you know, we may find big organisations have a number of regional or more local hubs where mm -hmm. they, they have a concentration of staff and it's yeah. closer than going all the way into the centre of a city. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think employing sort of networks of of different offices may become a, you know, a tool that different offices um, and businesses do. But I think it's just giving people that freedom to work as and where they want. You know, I think we, we're going from 
choosing a different type of work point within an office environment, sort of expanding that outside of the office to say, choose your work point in whichever space that needs to be. And there is a spectrum from home to kind of big HQ. So I'm not going to uh, advertise on the certain uh, big brands regarding co-working, but I do see a few huge brands um, being amplified during this because I feel like those spaces are going to be more hot than the actual office. Well, I think there's um, there's going to be an increased appetite to go use co-working spaces for the businesses who want the flexibility or they're sort mm -hmm. of more cautious to sign up to long-term leases given mm -hmm. um, potential for change and, and, you know, the uncertainty of the future. So I think lots of co-working spaces will get a boost through that. Um, but I think there's then also the co-working spaces which are more informal in terms of, you know, not having to take out a huge, a huge space, you know, a, a booked space, but that sort of flexible membership and again that might serve that more kind of working near home element of people's working working lives really okay and david david yeah i agree fully 100 with rosie on the short term changes is going to lead to uh, an amplification in the use of more local uh, co-working but i think also long term it could have a fundamental effect on the fabric of how we organize our communities, what shopping malls are used for, what the high street looks like. Mm -hmm. As the you know hunger, as the appetite, as Rosie says, for this kind of space, the interim space, people don't want to go to the office, but don't also want to work from home because it's not suitable, no matter how we try to pad it out or hang blankets or whatever silly <laughs> thing we do. It, I want to go to a professional environment to work. So I think we might start to see, and we're certainly hearing a lot of talk about, you know, the CBREs in the world, but also um, Westfield are dedicating mm -hmm. something like a third or was it two thirds? I mean, I'm, I'm afraid to say two thirds because that's such a huge number, but I think it might have been two thirds of their space over to workspace, co-working workspace to bring yeah, so the working world. Moving towards co-working right. space. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And Caroline. For me, uh, what COVID-19 has shown us is the importance of flexibility. And I think mm -hmm. what held people back was not being prepared. They, they, they weren't used to working in a different space in a different way, and they were yeah. thrown by it. So the more people are given that freedom to be able to be flexible and to learn to adapt, then you know, remote working can be great. You can you can work from anywhere in the world. You can work from home. You can work from co-working spaces, and you can be even more productive and more creative. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what's um, really important when we're moving forward to um, really really invest in that and to give people the the, the choice. Yeah, Gayatri. I want to echo the feeling of flexibility. Every year um, at IWBI, we have the opportunity to work flexibly, work remotely for a month. This means that you can be anywhere in the world um, and work from there. We just need to overlap for four hours with um, our headquarters. So this allowed me to visit my parents in Dubai, my grandparents in India. And it, it allows you also to think about flexibility with the space, but flexibility of time. And th that's an interesting thing and ties back to our, our chronotype. Are we a lark? Are we an owl? 
So uh, thinking through uh, work, thinking through flexibility, giving as much flexibility as possible, and working with folks to make sure they're at their best, I think is going to be the key to um, to a post-COVID workspace. So um, I, I think that um, we need to focus on the individual, you know, it, during these times. Uh, and again, I, I support all of the points that the, that the panelists suggested, and uh, they're all important. So I, I, I can't add anything extra, only in that we need to um, focus on the individual, because I'm sure in large companies it's easy to forget about people here and there, you know, giving people the tools to be able to, because, you know, let's say this is a temporary, hopefully a temporary uh, situation, and we go back to some some semblance of uh, the things that we um, we want to go back to. So, you know, uh, and again, probably Caroline, you would um, know more about this, but, you know, you're, you're going to work five days a week or whatever your working scenario was before. Then we have this interim period of something totally different. And of course, everyone has a, a, a unique situation at home. And then what comes next? We should be prepared for what comes next, but we don't know what comes next. But being in touch with people, making sure that we, uh, we're we in touch with everyone, giving them the tools they need to do their job well, because you know, lots of people are used to flexible working or working from home or traveling and working, uh, and you know, working on the train or in a coffee shop or uh, as you said, Rosie, at a client's office, you know, being able to just do that focusing for a short period of time where you get the space. Um, not everyone can do that. And then other people have different strengths. So I think just really acknowledging that everybody is different and keeping in touch with them and making sure that individuals have the tools to be able to um, go back to something different easily, mm -hmm. like the transition. So if you think about the transition to this, what we have now, uh, you know, as with the comfortable chair or the the laptop stand, I, I must admit I haven't really fully adapted to working from home full time, um, despite you know what we're all suggesting other people do. So you know not everyone's perfect, um, but it's uh, supporting the individual in all of these changes is really important yeah. because um, you know we together make the company we work for. Yeah, I would definitely emphasize when it comes to. Uh creating that environment, keeping that connectivity in, because one of the things that we have all learned is a lot of people, some people don't miss their colleagues, but a lot of people do miss their colleagues, do miss that interaction. And uh, depending on how your home situation is, so I have a son, so I had to do some homeschooling, but still I miss that interaction with those who I, you know, sometimes co-work with or uh, touching, you know, having that connection with other people um being in other environments so i would add that in whatever it is that your company is choosing for as long as they pay attention to you as an individual as long as they pay attention to building the team from wherever you are then that's fine and also putting some plans putting some plans <laughs> I'm going to say thank you to you all. I really enjoyed this and I could do, I could talk for hours and I, looking towards <laughs> you, you could talk for hours too, but I have to close off. So thank you. Don't leave. I'm just closing off to announce uh, next week's speakers and I'm going to highlight it here. So um, let me see. So for next week, 
I don't on a Tuesday. It's my first time that I'm taking a day off in the evening, but I'll come back later on a week after where I'm be having a conversation about emotional intelligence. But I do have a Dutch show next week, uh, Thursday, next week, Thursday. And it's about representation in the media, but also in organizations. And it will be in Dutch. So the the English episode will be in two weeks. And I want to say thank you for your time. Thank you for watching. And if you're listening, thank you for listening. It was amazing. And if you have any questions regarding workplace design or any questions regarding the panel members, don't forget to connect with them. Don't forget to connect with me. Don't forget to... Uh, to at least uplift us all. And until next time, thank you for having me. Bye.